Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. It had some insane successes from the course. Uh, you know, people that were building, you know, eight-figure businesses that are literally from scratch that had never built a single business before. Your attention, please, please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show, AMPM podcast. As a matter of fact, as soon as I'm finished with this, I'm going to be heading out. It's Tuesday night at the time that I'm actually doing this intro. It's a, uh, there's a special restaurant right across the street where they have 50% bottles of wine. It's a cool thing that we all do. And I'm going to be doing that just a few minutes. And while I'm having a sip of wine, maybe a glass or two, I will be making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So today's interview, I actually recorded it uh, last week and it's with Matt Clark. He's the CEO and co-founder of Amazing.com. And if the name doesn't sound familiar to you, then you're probably brand new to the Amazon business in terms of selling on Amazon because Matt and his whole crew started this whole gold rush, right? This, this craziness when it comes to private labeling. They came out with the amazing selling machine, ASM1, and they threw the biggest uh, conferences in Las Vegas, and they have one coming up uh, next week in Austin. And uh, the guy is just awesome. I had a chance to sit down with him uh, when I was in Austin and uh, decided we needed to do an interview as well because the guy's got a lot of knowledge. So he's going to drop a few gold nuggets. I think they're things that I haven't actually talked about before. So get ready to take some notes and let's get right into the interview. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Matt Clark, co-founder and CEO of Amazing.com. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you very much, Manny. Thanks for having me. Hey, I wanted to ask you before we get started, a very handsome man wanted me to ask you, have you ever fallen off a scooter? <laughs> uh, I have actually with uh, my wife sitting on the back of it in the middle of Barcelona. That was uh, pretty awesome, and I'm, I'm never going to hear the end of that one. <laughs> what happened there? Who is this yeah. handsome man that we're talking about? I would have to imagine it'd be Ryan Moran, I would guess. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, no, we were in uh, Barcelona, and then um, apparently, after talking with some people there, it's sunshiny there, like 300 something days out of the year, and we hit one of the few days in our kind of like quick seven day trip there that it's just pouring down rain, and we had rented a scooter to do like a GPS tour while we were there. And so we're getting hungry, we're riding the scooter around, it's pouring down rain, and then sort of we start pulling up to a, a stoplight. And then I switch lanes uh, at the end because we had to get over. And then I think I just hit one of those white strips in the middle. And we just smacked straight into the ground. Oh, no. And then everyone's running over trying to help us. And then uh, 
then uh, yeah, when we rented the thing, the guy was like, "Do you have like a European driver's license?" I was like, "No." He's like, "Ah, he's gonna be fine. The cops will never worry." <laughs> sure enough, cops come over. They make sure we're like not dying, I guess. And then they write me a two hundred and fifty euro ticket, and so I had to go uh, pay that too. So it was a uh, you know good times, anyways. Made for a <laughs> interesting trip. <laughs> what an adventure, right? Brian Moran said, "Yeah, I had to ask you about that." So he had, he had some other questions, but we're gonna skip those. So <laughs> all right. So um, anybody that hasn't actually heard of uh, your company, I Amazing.com or you, uh, why don't you tell us a little backstory of how this all started? Because you guys pretty much single-handedly changed the whole private label game uh, back when you guys launched the Amazing Selling Machine. What was it? Uh, was it several years ago, right? Uh, yeah, it's hard. I always have to sort of backtrack from the different releases that we did, but I think we released the first one back in 2013, I think. We had released kind of what the predecessor to that in 2012, Amazon Money Machine, before we sort of changed the name and refocused it. But yeah, I think it was 2013. But yeah, so the way the way that all kind of came about is that, you know, I uh, started building my own physical product business about seven months out of college. I was selling some other people's brands, some very sort of high-end, which now are super popular and more mainstream, but they were at the time very high-end kind of niche health supplements that you can only find in doctor's offices. So I was selling those online to my own e-commerce store and then ramped up from one store to 30 stores and then kind of rebranded and went back to one store. But along the way, started selling a lot on Amazon, started to basically double my entire business. Half of my sales were then on Amazon, half of it was on my own e-commerce store. Uh, and also around the same time, started kind of private labeling my own products. And so saw a massive amount of potential there and um, you know saw some really cool things going on on the training side because I was kind of sitting there running my own physical product business and I saw people doing really cool things building big email lists putting on live events you know getting to meet a lot of people and entrepreneurs and I thought you know that would be really cool so ended up uh, partnering with uh, the other co-founder of amazing.com Jason and uh, we created the first version of the course I was the course expert the person who taught all of the private labeling stuff and how to source products how to build a brand and most importantly how to launch and sell products on Amazon and uh, he was the guy that had all the launch experience and knew all the affiliates and all that sort of stuff and so uh, we came together and we launched that first version and you know had a lot of kinks because we didn't know how to help people internationally and stuff like that. So I ended up figuring a lot of that stuff out and then, you know, uh, sort of rebranded that as, as Amazing Selling Machine and sort of, I guess, rest is history. We did extremely well and started breaking all kinds of records in terms of course launches and had some insane successes from the course. Uh, you know, people that were building, you know, eight-figure businesses that are literally from scratch that had never built a single business before. And we have people to this day that have, you know, multi-million dollar companies and they've literally taken, never taken another course. Uh, and they'd never been an entrepreneur before. They'd worked for companies and, uh, you know, went very well. So we'd end up teaching, you know, tens of thousands of people how to basically go source products from the U.S., from China, how to build their own brand, how to sell and market and launch and scale on Amazon. And so it's been a, a pretty wild ride over the past few years, but that's kind of a little bit of the backstory anyways. Yeah, yeah, that's really a really interesting story. So since you started that, what would be some of the major changes you've seen in the industry since uh, starting that whole thing? Yeah, so, uh, you know, back, it seems like it was forever ago, but I guess it's only, you know, three or four years ago, but back when it was sort of, um, you know, before we started really getting into a lot of the core stuff and all that, when I was kind of just running around cranking, selling on Amazon, figuring it out, it was like the Wild West back then. It's like, you could do whatever you want, and Amazon was, you know, has, has always been very aggressive in terms of letting things happen on their platform. 
um, and then kind of figuring it out later. It's like, you know, when it comes to reviews and upvoting and downvoting reviews and uh, doing things with your listing and all that sort of stuff was just kind of, it was an open playing field back then. You could literally do whatever you want. Like if you had a bad review, you could go vote it down and it would start getting pushed down. You could, you know, create a bunch of accounts and keep voting it down, like crazy stuff like that. But uh, and back then, it's like you do whatever you want. And so, and but now, and it's better for the customer. It's it's ultimately better for the business owner. Now, a lot of that stuff has been mostly cleared out. Obviously, there's always ways to kind of game the system. But the good thing is, is that building a good, solid business with good, solid products and good, solid customer service, and the things that every business owner should be doing, those are the things that get rewarded now. There's always kind of short-term loopholes that people figure out. But when it comes down to it. If you have the best product and you have uh, the best service and you're semi good at the marketing side, then that in in the long term and it now is kind of becoming the short term is, is kind of how you win at this game in my opinion. So that's very different than where it was before. It's before we were trying to just tell people get a product up as quickly as possible. Who cares if it's the same exact thing as what's out there? Just get something up, start building a business. Because we wanted to get people to you know, get experience as entrepreneurs as quickly as possible. But now it, it makes much more sense to sort of think about how you create a better product and better experience for customers. And that's, that's a much better way to do things now. Right. And I think probably uh, getting people to start thinking about the brand itself and building products around that brand. Um, yeah. something that, that people are starting to focus on. Well, let's go back a little bit, though. Um, before you got into um, selling the, the training material and courses, um, and yep. you were selling your actual products, do you have any products you can mention um, that were total <laughs> bombs or, or winners? Any stories Good question. there? Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you the interesting story is that when it first started, because I, I didn't know anybody sold on Amazon, I didn't really go to any uh, conferences related to any of that sort of thing, so I was literally just figuring it all out for better or worse on my own, and so I was, you know, running my own e-commerce store, I was advertising a lot on Google AdWords, and you know, as, as most people know, like Facebook ads, like you're basically paying per click or per thousand impressions, either way, you're paying for kind of eyeballs, um, but there's no guarantee that you're going to make any money. On Amazon, it was a little different because, sure, there's product costs and all that, but once you get a product in Amazon, you really only have to pay anything when it sells. A little bit of inventory, whatever. It's not really a big deal, but the main cost is whenever the product actually sells. And so on my e-commerce store, I had some distributors and whatnot, and so I had access to basically 11,000 products that I had on my e-commerce store. All of, all of it was drop shipped, or, or I'd say 95% was drop shipped. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and then so I was like, you know what? I was like, I've got a brilliant idea. I'm just going to go over to Amazon. I'm going to have, you know, some outsourcers, you know, people from the Philippines for, you know, basically six weeks. They're going to list all 11,000 of these products on Amazon. I was like, who cares if it doesn't sell? If it doesn't sell, then I don't lose anything. If it does sell, then I'm just going to send over the dropshipper and then it's going to get shipped to the customer and I make money. So I thought it was going to be guaranteed profit. I was, this is going to be awesome. But then the problem was is that uh, the distributors weren't super reliable, and so I kept getting all these orders from Amazon for obscure products that I never even sold on my e-commerce store. And then, sure enough, I'd go go check with the supplier, and they would say, "Oh, this product's out of stock." And I'm like, "Oh crap! I got to cancel that order." Oh, this product's out of stock. Oh, I got to cancel that order. And the Amazon account almost got shut down because, oh my gosh. Of, yeah, because of all those issues. And so then I was like, "Oh, maybe this is not the best way to do this." <laughs> yeah, so it's so, a logistical nightmare essentially with all yeah. these thousands of products. Yeah, exactly. So then I basically had all those products removed and just focused on the few that I knew were going to be in stock 100% of the time. Some of them actually carried an inventory myself. This was before I even knew what 
FBA was, which is a whole other story about how we were doing that when that business cranked up, uh, when all those sales cranked up. But yeah, so that was that was a definitely a heck of a learning lesson there. Yeah, that's crazy. Eleventh. I mean, why why start small, right? Might as well just go all out. So, <laughs> yeah. so where do you see uh, like private label products on Amazon going a few years from now? Because in the last, like you said, the last couple of years, things have changed drastically. So looking ahead, looking at your crystal ball, what do you see? Yeah, yeah I mean, so people only need so many. Uh, of the same exact freaking yoga mat as an example uh you know this it's like you don't need to see seven thousand different of the exact same product it makes no sense from the consumer's perspective and then they're sitting there trying to figure out like what's the difference between these when a lot of case there is no difference you could say this applies to almost any product available uh if you look at reviews for a lot of those products and you can find you know maybe there's some fake ones or some incentivized ones and whatnot but if you sort of pare down to the two and three star legitimate reviews you can find out that there, for just about any product available, there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, so, for for example, and I can talk about this because it's all kind of public information. I launched a, a fitness brand earlier this year as a as a case study, and now I'm sitting here telling this is kind of crystal ball a couple of years down the road. I haven't actually done some of the stuff myself, but some of the feedback that was for some of the products before I launched mine, and I was looking at you know how do I sort of make this thing better or different was simple things like people were just confused about how to use the product so they didn't hurt themselves or how to get the most out of it and a lot of the stuff wasn't necessarily product innovations it was more just better descriptions better uh, packaging and that kind of thing and so that's one piece is I think that it's really more a matter of and it's kind of a there's a scale in terms of the more customization and improvements you do on a product the more risk you have but kind of the more potential reward but is rather than just taking a product that's out there and selling well and slapping your own logo on it it's really thinking about how do i make this the best product in the market taking into consideration my own sort of tolerance for risk i guess like maybe somebody who's just starting out doesn't want to put you know ten twenty thousand dollars into customizing a product and making it so much better uh, when that may be all the money they have in their bank account. So maybe all they can do is some changes to some packaging or some instructions, and that's fine. That's you got to get started somewhere. But I think ultimately the uh, the the only way people are going to be super successful in this business is they really start creating better products, not just taking an existing product and putting a logo on it, but really doing something better for customers. It's better for customers. It's better for Amazon. It builds more longevity into a business because you've got differentiation that that's real. Um, and so that's that's where I think that that this thing is heading and sort of has to head. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you are when you're going out there and you're creating something customized are you doing let's say you got the molding and things like that are, are you doing that all outside of the u.s are you doing it at the at the factory or manufacturer yeah so um for example uh have been looking at like a an electronic product and you know i'm not very far in this sort of process uh but looking at electronic product and that one it's it's all um it's kind of like there's a prototyping company here in the u.s uh, but then all the sort of mass manufacturing will happen outside of the U.S. Um, and so that's that's kind of how that business is set up. It's just kind of it's kind of it seems to be kind of hard if you're not you know for example from China or speak Chinese to coordinate uh, you know some big changes to a product or really inventing something from scratch. However, on the other hand, um, for some of the products that are just kind of kind of minor changes, like some of that stuff is, is easy just to happen at the manufacturer. For example, one of the workout products, I've seen other ones, even though like the number one selling one on Amazon, I have, for example, some gymnastics rings. Um, I've seen ones at the gym that have little notches with numbers on the actual band so you can tell the right length rather than just kind of gauging it when you're hanging them. Um, 
And uh, but the number one selling one on Amazon doesn't have those on there. And so the next order that uh, likely placed or next significant order will likely ask them to you know what what is it going to look like to get these little notches placed on there? Because it's not like some massive change to the product that requires prototyping or any of that sort of stuff. And so that'll happen at the manufacturer level. Okay, cool. Well, let's talk about strategies and tactics. I know you're you're really big. You've talked to so many people that are doing this, so you probably get all kinds of crazy information, good and bad. But um, you know. Our listeners are looking for tactics, tips, strategies, things that, that are going to help them sell their private label products. Um, let's talk about that. You know, one of the things that we're we're doing, and you know, this isn't meant to be a plug for Amazing.com, but we actually have somebody who created a whole course on this. But uh, one of the things that you know we found to kind of work like clockwork is kind of a kind of a two-phased approach to like launching a product. And the first phase is kind of getting all the foundational stuff and all the stuff that, you know, hopefully is is obvious to most people, but just kind of depends on their sort of experience with this business. Is like you have your listing and your title and descriptions and your images and all that stuff as good as possible. You've got 10 to 15 reviews and all that sort of good stuff. Um, and then the, the funny thing is, is that I don't know if it used to work like this. The game used to be to get as many purchases through an individual search term, I mean with the whole super URL and all that sort of stuff, uh, that kind of used to be the game. But now it seems like as long as your listing is optimized well enough, uh, as long as you get a lot of purchases in a short period of time, then the keyword rankings kind of take care of themselves. Uh, which is which is interesting because I don't think it used to really work like that. So basically, uh, as far as you know, just on a, on a tactic standpoint, well, basically within a given period of time, we'll send out coupons through an email list. We'll send out coupons through. Uh, we'll have one for likely twenty to thirty percent off on the product page itself. We'll post them to the Facebook page. We'll also run a little bit of Google AdWords traffic. We'll make sure sponsored ads cranked up. Amazon marketing services is cranked up, and send all that stuff all at the same time within a short period of time, and that's typically enough to get the keyword rankings to start popping up there. But then one of the issues that I've run into before is if you haven't done the first phase well enough in terms of getting all the the listing optimized, uh, then your rankings will likely just pop up and they'll just pop straight back down, which just kind of defeats the purpose of doing any of this stuff. And so in terms of launching a product, that's the main thing. And then I, you know, always make sure now, which didn't used to, is that there's package inserts, so you're capturing more emails, because it's much easier to do that at the beginning than trying to scramble and do it later. So that's that's essentially, from from the marketing standpoint, that's that's a good piece of what I have going on. I, mean, I think one of the one of the things that still seems to be a big opportunity is, is Amazon marketing services. I mean, the ACoS on there seems to be so much better than on sponsored ads in general, and you know, you can run some, some pretty awesome traffic that gets good placements, you can advertise on competitors' products, and all that sort of stuff. That so that still seems like a pretty big opportunity. I don't see as many people as I would think using it. Yeah, yeah you, you're absolutely right. And hardly anybody's even teaching that. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? I think that'd be something pretty valuable for everybody. Yeah. So with standard sponsored ads, as like you know, if somebody sells on Amazon, like you you know, it's just typically listed. I guess now there's a right hand slot, uh, but it's, it's either at the bottom or the top of the product page. Kind of depends on the test Amazon seems to be running that day. Uh, but then with the Amazon marketing service, it's a little bit different. You can have basically a big ad at the top. It's called its headline search ad. So you can say, I want to advertise on yoga mats. We'll just throw that one out there. Then somebody searches yoga mats, assuming you're bidding high enough and all that, uh, then your ad will show at the top. It's kind of like a big banner. And you can actually have multiple products featured in there. I mean, it's it's very visible. It's not hidden kind of like sponsored ads. It's very visible. So you can advertise on search terms like that. And then the other option that you have is to 
uh, do what's called product display ads. So if you've ever looked at an Amazon product listing and on the right-hand side, there's the whole add to cart section. Below that, you can have an ad right there. So you can literally put in the ASINs of other products or you can put in keywords and I, I believe there's a, another targeting option there. But you can basically advertise directly. You're saying, this is my competitor. I want to put my ad on their product page. And that's another option there. And there's, I feel like there's another option in Amazon uh, Amazon marketing services, but I, I guess you just don't use it enough to even remember. But it's usually typically headline search ads. They get a lot of traffic. Um, and so as long as you're doing a good job in terms of uh, optimizing your listing and you've got good reviews and good pricing and all that, then that can work out very well. And the product display ads are just very targeted for advertising on other people's listings. And so those are the, the main two ad slots that uh, use from there. And also the cool thing is too, is with Amazon Marketing Services, you can also create a brand page. And so it's just a kind of a nicer page on Amazon for your brand. But the really cool thing about it, which haven't used as much as probably should, but is you can actually track conversions. Is you can set up just, um, trying to think of another example, um, I can't think of another example, but like you can basically set up a source. So a source ID, and so you can say this is Facebook ad one, or this is my Facebook page, or this is my Twitter account, and you can send traffic using that link to your brand page, and you can actually tell sales that happen on there, which has always been a big issue for Amazon, is because they, for whatever reason, don't really let you see sales by traffic source. So that's kind of a cool thing you do with a brand page. The only kind of limitation is is that you have to send it to the brand page. You can't actually send it directly to product pages. So that, that part is pretty sweet in terms of being able to track conversions. Yeah, and it, it's really cool. I mean, we've seen this. I think everybody's seen this where they look at their product and they'll have an advertiser uh, or somebody else, a competitor that's got their product right below that buy button. It's right there and you're like, ah, and it works really well if you've got a better price point and a similar product, like it's close enough to what the person is actually looking to buy and you've got a lower price point. You can steal a lot of sales that way. So yep. it's actually pretty cool, a pretty cool system to use that. It's probably, uh, I would say it's crazy underutilized. It's way underutilized for sure. Yeah, it's wild because it's it's pretty easy to get set up. Like I don't understand why people wouldn't use it. Like for example, for the fitness brand, have three products that are all branded and all that good stuff. But with uh, to get set up with Amazon Marketing Services, you first have to get set up with Vendor Express. But to be able to do that, you essentially have to sacrifice a product because you don't want Amazon selling one of your good products because they can kind of mess up a lot of things with that program. But if you create another product, uh, which all we did was we ordered a pretty cheap product from Alibaba, slapped a logo with just a sticker on the poly bags, and then sent them 12 units, and that's all that was needed to create the Vendor Express account and also the Amazon Marketing Services account. Because I know a lot of people kind of get hung up there, like, I don't have another product. And it's like, it's not really that big of a deal. That like, it costs all of like $200, and that, that inventory is kind of just sitting there too. Yeah. I mean, that's gold. Guys, let's uh, let's talk about that for one second. I think the fear for most people is, man, I don't want to go into vendor services because they've heard nightmare stories, right? Uh, yeah. it, we're not going to go into all the details of why it could be nightmarish, but they, they don't want to do it because of their product. You know, it's their main product. So that's a fantastic golden nugget right there. You go in, you, cre you create another product, something that's going to be cheap and expensive. You just get it in there so that you get approval and then you can use the whole system for your good products. Yeah, exactly. Man, that's awesome. Any other good things like that? I've taken a few notes about, because I know we had talked about before, about a few things that I've kind of seen that have helped people scale up a lot or, or 
and the other on the other side prevent them from being able to scale. But yeah, as far as tactical stuff like that, I can't think of anything else. I'll let you know if I do that. So let's talk about that. Uh, you got a lot of people that are coming in. They're starting off small. They always ask the question, how much money does it take to get started? But once they get going, how does somebody go from ordering just a few hundred units to scale up to where they're doing at some point much larger numbers, maybe six figures or beyond per month? Yeah, so one of the one of the first things that I see is, um, you know, for example, I've known people that have been doing as much as four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a month with this business, and they're still answering every single customer support ticket. And then the problem is, is they wonder why a year later their entire business has like fallen apart because they were trying to probably add a whole lot of products at once, which is fine. Adding a whole lot of products, they're trying to uh, do a whole bunch of different marketing channels. They're now having to support all these products and manage inventory, and they're probably just kind of going crazy. And so that's one of the biggest things I don't understand. It sounds very obvious, but not everyone does it for whatever reason reason is that in my opinion, as soon as your business is making, I don't know, at least a few thousand dollars a month in profit, I would be going out there and hiring your first person. Now, it doesn't have to be like a full-time person that's there, you know, in you know the U.S. or, or somewhere else like that. Uh, it could just be somebody else that's overseas that's handling just a piece of your business because especially if you've never run a business before and you've never had to hire people and whatnot, like the quicker you start building that skill, the better it's going to be and the more stable your business is going to be. It's like, sure, they may screw up some things. Sure, they may not be able to do everything as well as you can, but that's the nature of hiring people. But the sooner you start building a team and learning how to build and run and manage a team, the better your business is going to be able to scale because then you won't get to the point where you see a bunch of opportunity, but you can't do anything about it because you don't have the team to actually support your business um, without it falling apart. So that's that's one of the big things that I see. Um, one of the other things that I see too is – a lot of people, for whatever reason, they want to jump into multiple product lines and multiple brands, which, you know, I understand. Like, I've seen it firsthand myself, especially with this new brand. It's like got three products. One of them uh, can't keep the inventory in stock. Every time the inventory gets in stock, it starts selling out, running out, makes good profit. The other two, a little bit more of a struggle to kind of push and sell and that kind of thing. It's just, just different. And so... But I still think it's better, rather than chasing individual product opportunities, to actually build, uh, like like you said at the beginning of this, build a single brand. Your leverage is going to be a lot better. You're going to be able to use the same social assets, Facebook page, Twitter account, all that other sort of stuff. If we're talking about uh, AMS, you'll be able to use the same Amazon marketing services brand page and all that sort of thing. Uh, so a lot of people seem to kind of, they're like, oh, I've got you know three different product lines and I'm like, how much are you doing in sales? You know, 50 grand a month. I'm like, what the heck are you doing with three different product lines? Like, the only way that I think you can justify that is if you've really kind of maxed out a product line or a brand opportunity or, or that kind of thing, and then maybe start considering multiple product lines. But that's something that I kind of see quite a bit, and that's you know, it's it's I think it ends up being kind of a big distraction and hassle for people. So do you uh, think that people should probably uh, before they actually launch? Because back in the day, you would say get something on the market, just launch, 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 take action, do it right now. Now it would be more of a okay, I want to sell this product, but before I sell this product, let me think about all the additional products I can sell within within this brand and make sure that you're not going to you know cap out you're not going to essentially run out of sales volume and then have to jump into something else this way you can focus all your efforts on that one brand yeah it's kind of a you know double edged sword on the one hand you want people to think about those kind of things before they get started on the other hand you don't want them to think about so much that it paralyzes them and never do anything yeah. uh, i have unfortunately have seen a lot of people that 
you know, six months later, they're like, I'm still picking a product. I'm like, what the heck are you doing picking a product? That should take, you know, maximum of maybe like a week, assuming you're actually like working hard and contacting suppliers. But on the other hand, yeah, I, I do agree with what you're saying. I think it's always a good thing to think about before you actually go launch a product is like, maybe this product, if I think that I kind of estimate that this product can make me 10 grand a month in profit, like, is that all that this whole brand will ever do? Then maybe it's not that great of an opportunity, but this is one product of 10 or 20 that it could do that kind of volume, then like maybe that makes sense. But yeah, you kind of you kind of don't want to like uh, pigeonhole yourself into something that's never going to have that much upside. Yeah, that makes sense. And in terms of hiring somebody to help you, uh, I guess a virtual assistant, if you're getting somebody overseas, um, what, what are some of the things that you actually assign to that person other than the customer support? Or is it specifically customer support? Because once you're generating that kind of volume, it just eats up so much time. Yes, I mean, I think it's a matter of... Um, looking at what's taking up the most of your time and then also like what do you what's the best use of your time versus not the best use of your time and i think like you know keeping a tabs on customer support is good like spot checking and whatnot but then in terms of doing it all yourself and having yourself be tied down to uh kind of a daily schedule and having to make sure you're doing all that sort of stuff and i think that that's probably going to be the first thing for people to start looking at outsourcing uh something that i haven't done myself but something that i think kind of makes sense is, is outsourcing some of the sponsored ad stuff because I think to do it right it kind of takes a lot of work a lot of times including myself you kind of just like throw stuff out there and maybe do a little bit of optimization but I think that's another kind of big opportunity but yeah I mean I think the stuff that just takes a lot of time like the the customer support is is the main thing to start biting off or really anything that's not the best use of your time and so typically for somebody building this business the best use of your time is going to be going out there and thinking about building the brand um, and focusing on what the brand should be like and all that sort of stuff, looking at the bigger opportunities, going out and picking product opportunities and likely you know, getting, the, getting those products live is kind of the best use of somebody's time doing this business. Um, and just about everything else I would imagine should be uh, outsourced. I would agree. And I, I think that's one of the issues that people have though, is they're like, man, I am so busy that I don't have time to actually go out and train somebody, right? <laughs> so yeah. once you get to that point, you're like, oh man, you look back like a month later and you're like, it was the best thing I ever did. It freed up like 20 hours a week, you know, because I was yeah. just doing non-productive stuff. You're just kind of getting through the day responding to to emails or just just small fires, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, so yeah, and for what, 400 to $600, you can get a, a virtual assistant that can really simplify your life a lot. Yeah, exactly. So amazing.com, originally you were selling these big courses, right? There were several thousand dollars. That's changed, right? That's transitioned over to an online system that you have. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And, and it also kind of uh, merges into a launch that you have coming up with with a new app. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we've been kind of known for selling fairly expensive courses anywhere from 500 on the very low end, but more typically between a thousand and $5,000. And, you know, we included all kinds of stuff, all kinds of software tools, um, support, live event, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but you know, we really wanted to try to build something that's accessible to as many people as possible because I can't tell you how many people I heard that were so excited because you know they watched our launch videos and all that they were so excited about this thing but they literally I don't think they were just being uh, you know kind of like shy or timid I think they literally just didn't have the money to be able to do this but they want the opportunity they want to be able to go out there and build a business and so started looking at kind of like where the future of this kind of online education thing is heading and how we could reach as many people as possible and given the best training possible. And so we decided early this year to sort of transition into rolling out a monthly membership. And so 
We've got courses teaching just about everything you need to know about selling on Amazon, uh, including uh, on the higher level, some of the stuff on sponsored ads. We've got a course on Amazon marketing services, the whole launch process. It's called a traffic blitz course. These are all courses taught by people who actually do this business and really know what they're doing. And they're exactly what, what I've been doing in the, the business I launched earlier this year. And so that's all available inside the membership. And uh, yeah, like you said, we're, we're launching our app right now. Nice. Uh, so that's pretty, yeah. So that's pretty sweet. Or uh, if you want, if you don't, not really want the car, or if you're outside the U.S. or any of that kind of thing, uh, you can also get twenty five thousand dollars. And so it's pretty insane considering what you have to do. You can literally just join the app launch, and uh, that's one entry. So you automatically have a way to win. And you can earn some other entries by sharing on social and sharing with friends and all that kind of cool thing. And so yeah, if anybody's interested, you just go to amazing.com/app/app. Pretty simple. And uh, the other cool thing we're doing is is on that day on September 6th, the big launch day, if you download the app, you can view the entire course catalog of the membership for free for 24 hours. And so we typically do a 30-day free trial, but you have to enter a credit card and all that. This is, everything is unlocked. Like you literally don't have to do anything and you can view all the courses in there for 24 hours. You can check out any of these courses on any of this sort of stuff. We're kind of doing that to kind of let people know this, the insane value we think we're offering in, in there anyways and to give people a good incentive to download the app on the uh, September 6th. Literally costs nothing, literally free. So that's the kind of cool thing we have going on right now. Well, that's nice. So you, you get the app for free. You have a chance of winning a BMW or 25 grand and you get access on the 6th. Was it the 6th specifically? Yeah, Tuesday, that's September 6th. Yeah, the, the free, the everything free unlock for 24 hours is basically from 12.01 a.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesday, September 6th to 11.59 p.m. Uh, Central Time on that same day. So that 24-hour period. Awesome. How, how many courses do you guys have on the online app? Yeah, so it's it's our it's our full course catalog. So there are over a hundred courses in there, and there's a lot of them related to selling on Amazon. I mean, there's like I said, the the Amazon marketing services. There's launching a product. There's sponsored ads. There's uh, how to improve the conversion rate of a, a listing. Uh, a lot of a lot of cool tips on there you may not have heard before. We've got a course on how to get reviews. A course on product selection if you're looking to source the next product, and a whole lot of other stuff. And then we have we have stuff on other business models as well, such as mobile apps and that kind of thing. Awesome. That sounds really cool. I'll definitely check it out as well. So, cool. um, yeah. Okay. So we've, we've got uh, the app, which is awesome. People can check that out. Is there anything else, Matt, that you'd like to mention? Uh, I mean, the main thing is just to kind of reassure everyone that they're, they're in a great spot. I mean, you know, Amazon keeps growing like crazy despite all of its growth it's already had. And still to this day, after all the products and, you know, millions of dollars I've sold on Amazon and outside of Amazon of physical products uh, and the, you know, I guess it's probably over you know, 100, 200 million dollars our, our members have sold, uh, there are still insane opportunities on there. Like there, if, if you start looking outside of, you know, I don't know how many people in here, they're gonna have experience with what we've taught, but like we've kind of taught people light and small, uh, do products that are easy to get live and that kind of thing. But if you start looking outside the scope of that stuff, stuff that's a little heavier, stuff that's a little bigger, stuff that's maybe a little more expensive, maybe the selling price is a few hundred dollars, then in that kind of stuff, the marketing and whatnot, especially is done on Amazon, some of the considerations for packaging and branding and all that stuff, is still not very good at all, which is crazy considering you know how, how sort of long this business has been around. So it's a, it's a great business to be in. It's super exciting. There's still tons of opportunities. So uh, yeah, I just kind of want to reassure everybody they're in a great spot. 
Yeah, absolutely. I tell everybody that asks that question, you know, do you think the market's too crowded? And and I always say no. I think it's too crowded, just like you mentioned. If you're going to go in and do the same thing everybody else is doing and going in and you're looking for a $3 product that you can slap your logo on, uh-huh. it's probably not the best idea right now. Yeah. If you can go in and you can do the things that you talked about, find a product, see how you can customize it, read those reviews, see what people are complaining about, customize something. That would be one way of doing it. And I'd probably do that on a more expensive product, something that costs you $10, $15, $20, your cost that you could sell for four, five, six times more because you're going to be eliminating competition the higher price point you go. And also, the people that are going back and listening to old training material or podcasts, they hear things that say, you know, get something that's small and light. So that's that's maybe what everybody's going after. So if you're going after something big and heavy, like you just mentioned, you're probably eliminating 90% of the potential competition right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. I would say. So one final thing here, you have committed to reading 100 books per year. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot. That's what a book every three days or so. Are, how are you doing on that? You're sticking uh, to good. it? Yeah. yeah, no, I'm uh, ahead of schedule. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, eight, eight, or eight or so books a month. But yeah, definitely ahead of schedule. Nice. So um, what would be three books? We'll close out with this. But what would be three books you would recommend to Amazon private label sellers? Things that have really uh, impacted you. And if you don't want to do three, give us that, that number one. <laughs> I'll try to come up with a few here that's sort of off the top of my head. I mean, one I would say is... Um, just for any business owner really is, is one of my favorite ones I've read this year. It's called Let My People Go Surfing. And so the cool thing about this is a few things. I guess, you know, it's kind of funny it is for people selling physical products is because uh, it's written by the guy that's uh, founder of Patagonia. And so if you don't know what Patagonia is, it's kind of a sort of higher end uh, outdoor gear. They, they sell stuff you would go climb mountains in. They sell some climbing stuff and that kind of thing. And they're a, you know, $600 million company. Uh, and so it's a, it's a big business and it was basically built by a guy who just wanted better products for climbing is really how it started. And so they started creating better gear, just him and some other kind of hippies out of their garage uh, would sell this stuff during non-climbing uh, season. And then during climbing season, the business pretty much shut down because that's they were they're out there doing their thing. And so eventually kind of kept building more and better products. And you know, nowadays it's a $600 million privately held company. Uh, and so, but it's just a cool story about how Throughout all that experience, throughout all that success, how he's stayed true to his brand and stayed true to their mission. That's why it's called Let My People Go Surfing is because the way they run their company is very different than most businesses. And it's you know mistakes that honestly we've, we've made in the past ourselves is like you, especially in the middle of growth, you'll go out there and you'll start hiring people just to fill spots because you have to get stuff done. The way they've kind of always done it is, even to this day, is they'd much prefer to hire people that are super into using their products into outdoors, and rather than people that have the technical skill. Uh, even though you know, obviously they they kind of need both, but they'll much prefer to have somebody that's really into their product, really into their brand, because they know what effect that has on the culture of the company, the customer service, because the people are familiar with the products. So that was a really really cool book and story. Um, so I would say that one. Probably number one. Uh, number two is a book called Grit, G-R-I-T, Grit. Uh, so that one is a <clears throat> cool one that I would recommend anybody who's trying to achieve anything, which is a very, very blank, broad blanket statement, uh, read that one. It's uh, you know written by an author, I cannot remember her name right now, but she basically ran a study at uh, West Point uh, Military School in the, the U.S. And so trying to figure out like what made the difference between people who really excelled and people who didn't do so well. And so they went through all kinds of different iterations, all kinds of different studies, and they sort of ended up calling it something called grit. And you can actually look up online grit scale, and you can actually do a quick assessment of yourself that takes you know all of 60 seconds to kind of see where you stack up right now. Um, but that was a, a really cool book because a lot of times, you know, you kind of think 
people's success happens through talent or through luck or any of that kind of stuff. But then this book makes a hard argument that, backed up with real data, I mean, she's, she's a researcher when it comes down to it, uh, backed up with real data that shows that a lot of it has to do with sticking with stuff that whereas most people just kind of quit way too soon. And I see that far too often, especially in business, especially people first starting out. It's like the first few road bumps they hit, they quit. And they yeah. think that these people that crank up to millions of dollars a year, that it was smooth sailing. You talk to any of those people, there was nothing smooth about it. So they, <laughs> right. just, they just kept going. Yeah, so then as far as another book, um, I would say, what would that one be called? It's called Why the Economy Grows and Why It Crashes, I believe is the, the name of the book. It's something pretty close to that. If you looked up that, you'd find it. But Why the Economy Grows and Why It Crashes. And so that one I think is good because, you know, I, in college, I double majored in, in finance and entrepreneurship and I took economics and all that sort of stuff. But still some of that stuff just blows my mind. Like how is the U.S. government able to run like a multi-trillion dollar deficit, but we still are a fairly booming economy? Uh, and so this book basically breaks the whole thing down using a really cool like parable that starts off with three guys on an island and they're each catching fish. And it goes from there to building this massive economy that's kind of, it doesn't really say it, but it's basically talking about the U.S. economy, and they're basically using China to finance some stuff, and, and it really helps you understand how business actually works, because a lot of times, uh, it's easy for us to get caught up and talk about things like Amazon marketing services, and getting reviews, and optimizing a listing, but when you understand how economics actually works, then I think you have a much better understanding of business in general. I mean, in this book, like they definitely make the argument that the reason entrepreneurs are rewarded is because we're willing to take a risk. We're willing to sacrifice three or four hours a night on top of doing another job, on top of raising kids, on top of doing all that sort of stuff. And we're willing to take that sacrifice, whereas other people may just sit there and watch Netflix all night long. And so because of that sacrifice that people like us make, then we all overall will eventually get rewarded for that. And, and other people just, just don't make that same sort of sacrifice. The other thing, too, is that they talk a lot about you know, the, the real reason businesses are rewarded is because they increase productivity. They either increase productivity of the people working for them or they increase productivity of the customers. And so say, for example, for, for Amazon, it's they've kind of done both. I mean, they sort of improved the efficiency of the entire model of buying physical products for, you know, hundreds of millions of consumers. And they've also improved the productivity of people selling those products. Rather than having to go run a local retail store, run your own e-commerce store, and handle 7,000 different things, you can sell on Amazon. You kind of apply that same sort of logic and thinking to just about any business model. So, I mean, if I were to say uh, three books, I would, I would say those three. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's good. And you're reviewing uh, the 100 book reviews per year. You're doing this on a podcast as well. So, if people want to follow, they can, right? They can yeah. Read. Okay. And where do yeah, they do that? that? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's just 100booksayear.com. And so you'll find links there to iTunes and, and everything else, which uh, Manny's probably much more sophisticated with the <laughs> podcast stuff than I am. So I'm not going to say I'm doing half of that stuff right. But yeah, it is on iTunes. Uh, we do have a little website set up. So there's there's nine episodes there so far. I mean, I'm into like, you know, 60 plus books this year, but I've, I've done nine episodes so far. And just I try to do a couple a week, basically. There you go. And so if you guys don't have enough time to read a book, at least you can spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes get the synopsis on it and maybe you get that uh, aha moment from one little thing so that's cool yep matt clark ceo of amazing.com co-founder you know it's been a pleasure this was awesome and uh, i hope we can have you back on the show at some point and i guess i will i'll probably be seeing you in just a couple weeks as well yep absolutely and so, uh in austin at the event that's right if anybody's out there at the amazing summit um definitely uh, come by and say hi so thanks matt for uh, for joining me and we'll talk soon cool thanks manny and thanks everyone for listening 
You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.